While the fullback position may be an endangered species in the National Football League, Alec Ingold embraces the role with a pride and enthusiasm that has made this rare breed a key contributor to the Miami Dolphins' high-powered offense. I think it's fun, and it's you take a little bit of pride with it. Like, I love, I feel like I live in the details, right? I, I am there for one extra blade of grass for Raheem. I'm there for one extra second for Tua. I'm there for one more yard for, you know, Jalen or Tyreek run after the catch and it's like those little detail things like that's something that I want to own and like I, I just I love going into an install or a meeting and coach can put up like a clip that nobody knows about nobody sees about and he'll point it out in front of the guys and it's like I take pride in that and being able to kind of be in between those lines like that. I'm OJ McDuffie a two-time team MVP and I'm Seth Levitt a former member of the Dolphins media relations department and in this episode of the fish tank Ingold shares his incredible life journey that has seen him overcome one obstacle after the next and has driven the Miami fullback to a life of service both on and off the gridiron. Hey DJ Preach let's make a splash. You're now diving into the fish tank. Sitting down with Seth Living, Seth. OJ, Juice, Juice Man, ooh, and this is strictly for them true fans, yeah. dog fans, number one. one, of course y'all, this ain't no ordinary sports talk, dive up in that fish tank. Welcome back to the Fish Tank right here on the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, Seth Levitt, DJ Preach is in the back, and my main man OJ McDuffie, Juice. We are back in the Wingfield living room. Yes, sir, Big Seth. You know how excited I get, man. I'm, I'm ready to get it in, man. I, I love, uh, obviously, recording, but yeah. I love recording with, you know, my side of the ball. Oh, I know you. And we get another <laughs> offensive player in here. Yeah. Yes, sir. <laughs> and especially, you know, we talk about this generation of player yeah. and the physicality of the sport. And even though you weren't the biggest guy in the world, you loved a good physical player, so what better way? Yeah, that's crazy though. You gotta talk if you're physical. Not, yeah, if you're not big, you gotta be a little crazy, right? Yeah, I guess so. But right. then if you're a fullback, and we're gonna get in all that, yeah. Alec Ingold, welcome to the fish tank, man. Thank you. It's good to be here. What what'd you call this living room? <laughs> the Wingfield Living Room. The Wingfield room. Yeah, Living Room. <laughs> okay. So the, the the story behind that, aside from the fact that Travis absolutely loves it, right. is that uh we weren't allowed in the building. We so Travis and the fish tank came on board at the exact same time. Okay. And we couldn't get in the building for a year. Right. COVID regulations and all that. And we Travis get, was building this whole place. Travis was building he the built whole place. Where we're sitting. This guy bled on the field. He's in the Walk of Fame. He couldn't get wow. in the building. And Travis <laughs> could, so we called it. And the the first time they let us in the building, guess who our guest was? We had to interview Travis Wingfield. That was like the initiation <laughs> to be able to get in the it. building. That's there exactly right. That was the hazing, as they say. So, yeah, man, but uh, really excited to be here and to have an active player yeah. during the season. That's pretty cool stuff. Yeah, We're hanging really, out. Really, really, really cool stuff. So, obviously, man, congratulations on such an impressive start, you know, to the season, man. I know it's been, uh, you know, just obviously a lot of fun. You know, obviously the ebbs and flows of the game have happened, you know. And we talked a little bit about you being on my side of the football, which, I mean, there's no better side of football than football. <laughs> He's it's, totally different yeah. with defensive guys here. Just letting Man. you know. Right. And I'm going to tell you this, too. You know, I played on some really explosive offenses like you guys have now, but I've also played on some offenses that, you know, honestly didn't hold up there into the bargain. And, you know, for you guys to be a part of and for you to be such a major part of it, you know, and even the, even the coach says that, man. Talk about how it feels to be a part of this offense, the way it's ascending. That's a big word, like mayonnaise. Yeah. He's Impressive. like going up. The three right? syllables. He's yeah. showing off. Right, right. 
and, uh, and, and being a major part of that <laughs> offense. Yeah. No, I think it's huge. Just being a part of, like, the chunk plays. I think you look back at the Bears game last week, the, that first drive in the second half, right? You come out, you need to score, you want to respond, and it's 10 yards, 17 yards, 18 yards, all of a sudden we're in the red zone, boom, score just like that. And it's like, it's cool to be a part of an offense where there's so many different role players that are all like craving more, right? Like there's so many guys that can block, catch, do everything, right? Positionless football. And to see guys step up and pick each other up when someone might not be having a great game, I think that's what's really cool to see is like, whether it's the running back room turn or it's the wide receivers or it's the line or tight ends, quarterback, whoever it is, somebody is hungry and ready to step up. Yeah, you talk about a lot of those guys, a lot of weapons on the offensive side. But Mike McDaniel can see you absolutely one of those weapons as well, man. How does that feel when you got wide receiver, wide receiver, you know, the guys at the glory positions, yeah. but you're one of those weapons on this team? I think it's fun, and it's you take a little bit of pride with it. Like, I love – I feel like I live in the details, right? I, I am there for one extra blade of grass for Raheem. I'm there for one extra second for Tua. I'm there for one more yard for, you know, Jalen or Tyreek, run after the catch. And it's like those little detail things, like that's something that I want to own. And, like, I, I just – I love going into an install or a meeting and coach can put up like a clip that nobody knows about, nobody sees about, and he'll point it out in front of the guys. And it's like, yeah. I take pride in that and being able to kind of be in between those lines like that. Yeah, I have an extra question, Seth. Like, you've taken snaps under center, <laughs> right? Yeah. I, I've never taken a snap under center. It scares the hell out of me, man. Yeah. Have you ever taken a snap under center? Before? I played quarterback in high school. Right. Yeah. So you guys are always under center because you're a younger generation. Most of the time, yeah. it's, yeah. We, I did. So it was kind of like a glorified wildcat. So I was in the shotgun a lot, but I did like grow up okay. under center, like blue 42, blue 40. Like, yeah. I did all that. So getting it. under there, it was like riding a bike. Freaking practice it a bunch of times, so it was good to go. Yeah, it was scared the hell out of me. It makes you nervous. Oh hell yeah, man! Like, I never, I never played quarter quarterback. All right, but yeah, I he never played quarterback, quarterback before. It was all shotgun for me, a pistol, whatever <laughs> yeah. the hell. You were just like, yeah, I wasn't thinking about hands. getting under center, man. Oh, no cadence, right. like, ready to go. <laughs> that's too funny. I, I love hearing Juice talk about you as one of those weapons, and uh, one just because of all of the things that you bring to the game, but two because of the position that you play. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this is almost like an archaeological dig in some ways. You know, for us to uncover, big word, uh, for us to uncover Which one? Which one a fullback. <laughs> dig. Yeah, dig. Well, dig three letters. Dig. Three letters. Thank you very much. Um, but seriously, like, for the fullback is in so many ways this dying position, yet here you are in this innovative offense, mm -hmm. and it's not, while you do your share of, you know, we've seen it. Travis will be the first one to say, watch this block by angle. You know, uh, you, you do your share of things that are more creative. And we see it doing, you know, the wheel routes and all these different things that aren't just taking on a linebacker, although you do plenty of that as well. But talk about being, um, being a member of this kind of dying breed. Yeah, I mean, you talk about a dying breed and it, you're able to reinvent your position, right? Like there's a few guys around the league that are able to be creative, like you're saying. And there is coaching points that you get brought up and it's like you're creating football right now. You're, you're doing things that are groundbreaking for the fullback community, right? That you're, you're able to kind of step it up and to be able to bring coaching points to life, to bring ideas from a tight end room and put it in the backfield or a wide receiver room and then put it next to the offense alignment. Like the positionless football, so to speak, I think I already said that earlier. It's like you get to bring stuff to life. And I think that's what keeps you energized and ready to go. It's like your cup of coffee in the morning. Like you get excited to watch film and be like, okay, what are we going to, what are we going to learn today? What are we going to get to do on practice field and then showcase it on Sunday? So, and is that, 
Is that something you're experiencing that is a little bit new and refreshing? Like you've played fullback, and we'll get into kind of the history and, and, and the evolution of the different positions you've played. But, you know, you played fullback in college, and now the, the, the fullback position that you're playing now and all the things that you're talking about, is that, is that a new experience for you yeah, at I the position? I thought I played football before, and, like, now I'm playing football. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, it's, uh, it's a completely different challenge, and I feel like that's a huge reason why I came here, and it's – it's tough. You're in the middle of the season. It's a brand new game plan every week. You're not running the same 10 plays that you're used to running every single uh, week in, week out. So it's a challenge, but it's like you embrace that, and that's what makes football so fun. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, it's got to be fun, right? Yeah, you, know, yeah. it, it's, you put a whole lot of effort to not enjoy it, man. I, that's for sure. I'm going to do what you did. I'm going to take a page out of your book and a follow-up question. You mentioned the fullback community. Mm. How, how big is that community? I it's, mean, like, you know, I see the tight ends now. They yeah, think they're all cool, and the they have the tight end U. university yeah. and all that. Is that like five of you guys? Like, what, yeah, what we kind of just—I mean, we just kind of text each other. It's a small group chat. Right, right. You know There's <laughs> like four guys on WhatsApp. Yeah, no, I think I literally have the best fullback jersey collection, like the little jersey swaps, and yeah. it's like there's like ten. <laughs> like, that's, hey, that's outstanding. Crazy. That really is good. You know, we're talking a little bit about fullback, but. Let's talk a little bit about how you actually became a fullback in this league. I mean, you were the Gatorade Wisconsin Player of the Year as a dual-threat quarterback like you talked about in high school. But then you get to the University of Wisconsin. We know how this works. You get to college, they bring you in a certain thing, and then all of a sudden, you know, you <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they Tangle, are the players. Yeah. It's the, the bait-and-switch type of deal yeah. a lot of times, 100%. right? You know what I mean? Um, and then move you around and finally settle on at fullback. Mm -hmm. Now, you mean, I mean, you must have been doing some something right because, I mean, you were the only fullback invited to combine. Mm -hmm. Talk about that. But, you know, because you, you go to combine as the only fullback, but then the draft comes around and you don't get drafted. Talk about that part. Yeah, I, that one still doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's, that's God's plan, whatever it was. Shoot, it was a uh, – that whole college experience, you're a quarterback, you go to college, they say we're going to give you an offer as an athlete. So you're taking that leap of faith. We're going to figure it out. Right. They have some spots open at linebacker that, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm going to gain 20, 30 pounds. I'm going to put on some weight. I'm going to be in the box. I'm going to be like that, that Big Ten linebacker, and all the running backs get hurt. And I put on all this weight to play linebacker, and they're like, hey, you want to go play running back? I'm like, I just put on all this weight. What are you talking about? <laughs> right. What are we doing? I was like, fine. I just want to find the field. I just want to be with the guys. I want to be on the field. I want to play football. I want to be in the game. So go over to running back for that first year. Um, played really well. Everyone got healthy from running back, and they're like, we're going to need you to move again to fullback. Oh. I was like, okay. Like, I, I see that, and it was a natural progression. I loved it. I loved the physicality of it. I loved uh, embracing the balance, the challenges, the details that we're talking about. But, yeah, it, it was an up-and-down career, ebbs and flows, just like the season's going, and ended up on a high note. Invited to the combine. I was running around with Miles Gaskin. He was, like, the same combine That's group. Pretty and awesome. That's cool. It was uh, – they are all faster and stronger and like just better athletes than I was. And I was the only one there. And it was a, it was a new experience for me. And obviously it, the whole draft process didn't work out the way I wanted to, but that just put a chip on my shoulder. It, it made me take ownership and showing people how much I love playing football. So when I got into a room or got into a building, like you might've overlooked me once, you might've overlooked me twice. That's cool. I'm going to show up every single day with everything to prove. And I feel like that's something that I've carried throughout my entire career. And that's something where that, that's until I retire, that's what I'm going to bring. And I think that's one of the best lessons I could have ever learned was, you know, 
from the jump being overlooked and said, we want to go elsewhere with our investments. Was it true that even before you got those these opportunities now that you almost gave up on football and took a corporate gig? Mm. Yeah, I mean, that's that whole that pre-draft process deal we're talking about. Like, I was starting to get a feel like, okay, like this might not work out. And I had done a whole, you know, I'm a, I'm a big finance guy. I'm big personal finance, like money, money deal. And I took a job for, for Oracle. They offered me a job. I did my whole job interview, got my suit and tie on, like did that whole thing. You went to like a job fair or something, Job right? fair, went to Oracle. I was like, it's yeah, crazy. I would love to do tech sales. You know, I'm, I think that would be, <laughs> that, that's a passion of yeah, mine, right? right? Like shoot. And, um, no, I had to get all clean shaven and all that. It felt terrible. And, uh, no, it was it was one of those things where they offered me the job. I was super grateful, super thankful yeah, to have that in the back college. pocket. But um, I was not. I took that phone call so fast and being like, "Hey, I don't need that job anymore. I'm going to go play fullback yeah, in the NFL." Right. Like, I, that, yeah, I'm not done yet. It's cool. Yeah. yeah. So, like, yeah. what did that call? What was that call like when you called? Hey, you know that job you just offered me? And I yeah. just said yes. Yeah, forget about it. Like, it what? was uh, so. It was a call. And I was, I was ecstatic. I was like, so happy to make that call. I'm like, I'm going to sure. call her up. Hey, like, I know you, I was going to move out to Boston and do this whole like tech sale thing. Like, um, the Raiders are actually gonna keep me on, on for this year and I'm going to take this job. I'm going to keep doing it. Um, I appreciate it. Uh, best of luck, that type of thing. Sent a little email out, you know, condolences or like best <laughs> comma right. Right. send. Out. Yeah, got that bridge. Done. That bridge is still open, probably. Yeah, there. yeah. No, you don't want to burn any bridges. Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> At the same time, like I, I do like playing football a little bit. See, there's a good way to say no, kids. So listen <laughs> right. to that. That's right. And and was it well received? Did you get a response? They back? were pumped. Did they were hooped. They were like, all right, we're we're fans now. Let's go. Like we got somebody to follow on Sunday. Very cool. That is super cool. So look, we could talk football all day, and you probably yes, do that yes. on all the shows. No, See, Juice no. wants to do that, but this is the tank, man. So we do things a little bit differently, and I want to go back even further. Than, than like being a dual threat quarterback in high school, like all the way to the beginning. Mm. And, um, you know, it doesn't take long to do the research and it's well documented about your story and, and being adopted uh, as an infant, as a newborn. Yeah. Um, and, and all of the work that you do now, and, you know, I want to get into the community work and, and certainly have been this incredible spokesperson for, for the adoption community. But talk about your journey uh, because what I read and what I heard was there were some struggles there and not not at home because it seems like, man, you landed like just an amazing family, a loving family. Um, and uh, and that was really cool to see that dynamic. But you talked about having like the weight of the world on your shoulders at seven years old and, and struggling with your self-worth. And I, as a dad, I'm like, I can't imagine my kids feeling that way. So just just kind of tell us a little bit about that experience. Being adopted is like one of the I mean, it's the best blessing I've ever had in my life. Like having two loving parents, a household that was stable, never moved my whole my childhood. It was it was amazing. And to be able to have a family that supports you, loves you, like I was taught all those lessons early on, right off the bat. The tough part was feeling like someone gave me up because I wasn't good enough for them, mm. or I was too big of a problem, or I was an issue, right? And like that always sat deep with me. And that's something where, was it my fault that I'm adopted? No. But as a kid growing up, there's different times where you don't really, you don't really understand everything. You don't really get the whole picture, right? And I was just a, a big time perfectionist, always needed to get straight A's, always needed to win every game, always needed to like prove myself to other people, um, to be accepted, to and be And you're loved. saying that was connected And to that was connected that. to that whole adoption story. And um, just learning those lessons, going through it, it's gotten me to where I'm at now. Like it, it keeps me hyper-focused to be the best I can. But at the same time, 
embracing all those feelings and emotions and like sharing that with a family that loves you, like that's what's purposeful in my life now because I can share that with a kid. I can look them in the eyes and know exactly what they're going through and be like, I've had struggles looking in the mirror too. And like knowing that and like connecting like that and then showing them my family and how we interact and be like, it's going to get better. Like all of these things, here's all the tips, tricks, whatever, like go have fun, be great, put a smile on your face, love in your heart. Like all of those things, I think it's really cool to kind of connect to um, a population like that. Yeah. I I mean, it's incredible. Um, And I wonder, like, was there a point in your life where kind of the, you know, the light switch was flipped and you started to not kind of whether it was blame yourself or internalize those things and you started to kind of just get comfortable in your own skin and understand that the world just doesn't always work the way you hoped it would? I mean, I I fight with that every day. I think you walk with that every day. It's a part of you, right? But if you know it's a part of you and you've learned from it, you know, those big changes in your life when you switch franchises, when you move across the country, you know, everything's new all of a sudden. You get all these little feelings starting to creep back up. But having gone through it, having communicated with people, having talking with coaches, family members, having that support system, you're able to go through these changes and these challenges a whole lot better because you have that support system, because you've already talked about it, because we've already went over that bridge, so to speak. So you're able to deal with that battle easier and easier as life goes on. Wow. Good stuff. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, absolutely, man. So obviously your your personal experiences and, you know, your upbringing really continue to shape the person that you are today. You know, and that's super impressive. One thing that impresses Seth and I more than anything is when young guys get it. Mm. You know what I mean? When they, they, when they give back and, and, and obviously and paying things forward. And from what I understand, you started, that all, all started when you were at Wisconsin. Talk about that part of, you know, and how you started getting it and, and actually get, having the ability to give back while you were at Wisconsin. I think that was the first time you really have a platform where people are like, oh, like you, you get recognized, you, you're in the community, whatever. And understanding that impact of going to play catch with a kid at a school on an off day and being like, oh, like this is, you're making a change here. Like they're actually talking about this. They'll actually write you a letter a month later. They might DM you on Instagram or Twitter or whatever and be like, hey, like I watched you this last week. Like it was cool to follow. Understanding that impact really started at Wisconsin. And then it's like, okay, once the platform got elevated, once you go to the NFL, once you get that bigger platform, it's like, how many more opportunities can I, can I maintain, right? Can we get that one-on-one with that one person and make sure that you you spread positivity with your platform, but you also keep that, that individual one-on-one connection, that, that eye-to-eye, the, the playing catch one-on-one. I think those, all of those moments, you can't replace those. Yeah, you know, being another Big Ten guy at Penn State, man, I'm, I'm starting to like Wisconsin a lot, man. <laughs> okay. They, they get yeah, it. We're over they, on the West get. Division, you That's know what right, I'm saying? Right. So it's, <laughs> well, you're separate. usually, I, I'm, I'm happy to see that, Juice. You know, sometimes you carry that stuff. I do, I do, man. But I, I love the Big Ten no matter okay, what. Okay, all right. You know, especially That's when it gets down to bowl season. Yeah. <laughs> too funny. <laughs> so, well, you, you've clearly carried um, that passion for paying it forward uh, into the pros. And so tell us about the Ingold Family Foundation I was reading about these programs. So it's a, the Ingold Inspire Institute was super cool. I love the money mini camps concept. Yep. So tell us a little bit about the work that you've started. And then, you know, I kind of have a follow up as to how uh, that transition, what that transition looks like as you change cities. Yeah, the Ingold Family Foundation is really supporting those foster care kids uh, in the community, anyone that's been adopted, who's going through the adoption process. So I'm able to use that foundation, that vehicle, we just you know founded it last this last year, and throw on some football camps, 
having fun, throwing the football around, but then also let's talk about financial literacy and some of those life skills. Let's give them a little bit of perspective, some character traits, some, some substance to whatever they're going to go back to, right, um, in the classroom, whatever that is. So being able to budget, being able to know what a credit card is, all the boring stuff that, you know, Kids it's don't really understand. Until but, that debt the, yeah, until, but yeah, you get, you get some NFL <laughs> guys like, that are sharing those messages. It's right. like, okay, maybe I do pay attention to this. Maybe I do figure out kind of what's going on uh, in the world there. So those types of things is really cool and impactful when you see a kid, when the light bulb goes off, when a young kid gets it, when they're like, okay, like I can, I can do my passion as a, a profession and like, let's see what that looks like and help them write down a goal, help yeah. them go chase it. It's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, and I when I was doing the research, I read that you kind of just you were you were doing stuff. It wasn't formalized. Right. You didn't have this foundation, and then as the things started to to build up, and you started to have these programs that get more sophisticated with it, you're like, okay, you know, let's let's formalize this thing. So, kind of walk us through that process because that fascinates me. I my day job is I run Jason Taylor's foundation. And it was kind of the same thing. I mean, he came in as a rookie and did everything that the team had going on, and then he had the veteran guy, you know, the Dan Marinos or whatever, and started to go to their events. This guy, you know, I learned about the whole nonprofit world with OJ's foundation, and then he was like, okay, seven years into his career, let's go ahead and start something. Right. I personally, you know, when I advise younger guys, I'm like, hey, I know everyone thinks you need to have a foundation because that's what an athlete does, but if you do it before you're ready then unfortunately something that's well intended can backfire or not come across the way that it, that you do intend it to do. So I read something where you said you kind of did it backwards, but I, I think you did it exactly the way it should, the, the progression should look like. Yeah, I mean, I think you have to figure out what you're passionate about. And in the community, when you're doing different events, you got to figure out what you're good at, what you like doing, who you connect with, how you connect with kids the best way, or anybody, right? Like it doesn't have to be youth. And going through that process and being very inquisitive, being curious, like figuring out, going to all those different events, just helping out. I feel like that gave a good grasp of like, okay, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. These are people I want to help and associate with for the next 30, 40 years, right? Yeah. It's not just let's help raise money one time. Like let's make an impact, a sustainable impact for the foreseeable future. Yeah. Uh, I think that's kind of where it was time to take that step and be like, all right, these are the people. This is how we're going to do it. The vision was laid out, and let's go to work. I love it. Yeah, I, I love too, it, man. man. That's that's awesome. And then what's also kind of fascinating to me is, so when you're drafted, the team's in Oakland, right? Yeah. The, the, yeah. the Raiders. And then the team moves. Yeah. So you start, you're investing in community A, <laughs> yeah. and then the team moves. And so, okay, cool. We're in Vegas. We're going to start doing some work right, in yeah. Vegas, and you're doing some cool stuff. And then you move across the country. So talk about being in a new city. Mm-hmm. And how do you take those same goals and passions and initiatives and kind of transfer them over to, to a new community that yeah. you're going to invest in? Uh, I'd love to hear how that works and just kind of what you're working on now. Yeah, I think the best metaphor I heard was like when I transferred, when I moved over to, to Miami, to South Florida, it was like you had this bank account built with your you know, Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee. You had all these things going on. You had the money mini camp. You had the football camp out in Vegas. And it's like, none of that comes with you to South Florida. Right. Like, it's kind of there. And it was like, yeah, so you, you built up all that bank account, so to speak. I still learned how to Can build a, a wire bank transfer account. or something? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, we'll leave it Zero. there. I Can learned all the lessons. Okay. Yeah, yeah, just quick mobile. <laughs> Shoot. But, like, you learned how to build it. So now it's about learning from those lessons, the good, the bad, the pros, the cons. And we'll do it even better this time. And I feel like you can't get discouraged uh, about starting from square zero. I feel like you have to see that as an opportunity. Like, Let's figure out the people that we want to serve. Let's let's 
talk with different groups out here and, and I have lessons that I've learned and let's go make an impact for these kids. And I feel like that's where I really hit it off with Junior Achievement of Greater Miami out here and then also um, the Children Home Society of South Florida. Okay. And that's yeah. big foster care and adoption community there uh, to be able to help them out financial literacy, football stuff. And then uh, we're, we're starting some scholarships out for these kids uh, for any extracurricular activities that they want to do. If you're adopted in a foster care system, like it costs money. It like costs some, some expense and resources. So being able to help those kids so that's not a stress, that's not something that's keeping them from playing football or going to piano lessons or whatever they want to do, uh, I feel like that's something where we're going to be able to help out and make a little bit of an impact out here in South Florida. I love it. So as you're doing all of this and getting invested in this new community, from what we understand, uh, you're also being recognized for the work you've already done. Yeah, it's uh, spending the bye week Tuesday going up to D.C., um, getting a congressional award. Uh, it's called the Adoption Excellence Award. Um, so it's just a bunch of people out there just promoting adoption, bringing awareness to it. So, yeah, we won a couple awards this year, the first year of the foundation, just being able to bring some sort of awareness to the adoption foster care community. So. Be fun. Well, he's a homer, but look how homer. That's that's a big time even award. The weed, man. Yeah, even the like, weed, it's a congressional yeah. award. This is not like uh, no disrespect to the Qantas Club or anything, but you know, like that's that's a big deal, man. That's a big deal. And I have to imagine from your journey again, from infancy mm. to go through what you went through, what you struggled with, what you overcame, and now to be able to pay that forward and be recognized on that level, that's kind of a big deal. I think it gives some validity to the work we're doing. And I feel like that's that's cool because you have a purpose, you have a vision, you have this whole plan of how you want to help these kids out, and then you have organizations that are willing to recognize you, to bring you together with a bigger community, to connect you to a new network of people uh, so that you just can continue to, to do work and create new ideas and new opportunities for this new community. I think that's that's what it's really all about, which is cool. Yeah, that is outstanding. outstanding. Uh, well, keep us posted. Like I said, we this guy's done incredible work in the community for forever, and... Uh, I say forever. It's been 18 there years you, now. There you go, man. <laughs> 18 I know you keep years showing now. my age on me. See that no, I'm saying our foundation. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah so, yeah. you know. <laughs> All right. Well, well, well sorry. Guys. Sorry, Big Seth. I'm going to get back to a little bit, little, little bit of football. I, I guess right that makes here. sense. You talked about a little bit. You know, you were coming off of, you know, coming into your own with the Raiders. Mm. You, you talk about being the Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee. An important part of that offense as well. Like we talked about like, like you are here. But then, like, 10 games in, I think it's almost like a year to the day mm-hmm. you have that ACL injury. Yeah. For someone who had gone through so much as you, as you have growing up and then you, know, you fought and clawed your way back into in this league, what was that time period like for you? You know, when you, you, you've done all the stuff you're doing in the community, your football's going really well, you're nominated, and then you have this, you know, big injury when it comes to football, the ACL injury. Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing was like, the amount of uncertainty that happened in the snap of a finger. Mm. And personally, you, you worry because you, you don't have another year on your contract. Like, there's nothing else you can do. The body of work was there. Oh, man. You put that out. It is what it is. Like, I am what my tape says I am as a, as a football player. And so being carted off, like, the emotions of, like, having to go through this uncertainty with my family, the people that are counting on me, the people that I represent, name on the front of the jersey, the back of the jersey, all of that, like that hurt. And I was sitting there and it was just like, there's a moment of like deciding, like how are you going to use this moment? Like how are you going to respond? I can't control what happened on the field right now. But like I can control how I respond to this moment. And 
understanding that, owning that, I still had a C on my chest. I still had a, a you know, a captaincy to to fill out, finish out with the Raiders. I was like, okay, that priority list, I made it. I'm gonna finish these priorities with the rest of the season. I'm gonna get my surgery. I'm gonna come back. I'm gonna be in every team meeting. I'm gonna help my replacement. I'm gonna talk to all the guys the same way I was. Like I'm gonna be up in the coach's box helping. I was the assistant replay guy. Oh wow! And it was like. That, that's what I was going to do, and that's I was just going to finish it out as best I could, and I was going to let the chips fall where they may because that's all I could control was how I responded. And I felt like if the guys in the locker room saw that I wasn't down on myself, I wasn't going to let it kill the vibe, hopefully they could go out and, and play a little bit better and, and just have the courage to keep playing. And that, that was what kind of I had to hold on to. It was like my family, my teammates, my fiancé, and – all that support system there, man. And we're going to let the chips fall where they may. And it brought me here. And it's been one of the biggest blessings, man. Like, I can't even tell you. Um, for a lot of reasons, right? It's just South Florida, man. You yep. know what I mean? But hey, we, we're we lucky. We're we're blessed to have, you know, Alec Engel on our squad, man. It's a, you know like I mean? a year 1, to the day, like you said. Yeah. And it's like crazy. a year ago, you go through all that uncertainty, all those lessons you learn, all that 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 stress. And it just like... It was all for a reason. And now we're here, we're learning. We're, we got a hundred different plays every single week and I get to learn all that stuff. And it's I'm like- I'm trying to tell people that, man. Everybody thinks that, you know, you put the plays in and it's like, you know what I mean? Then we just, no, it's every single week. Yeah. It's a different defense, a 100%. different game, especially with Mike McDaniel. I can't imagine, you know, we, you said a hundred, we're, we're usually looking at 20 when I play, but I guarantee it's at least a hundred with them. And it's, know? it's fun especially every for single you, time. Your position, yeah. cause look, you're, I mean, really fullback, tight end, H-back, you know, whatever it has to be, you, you, you learn more than most people have to. And it's the biggest blessing. It's like, yes, like that's, that's what you wanted. And um, it's, it's fun. It's fun every day showing up to work. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, just not to go back to the injury, and, but the, your process of the rehab, right? Because mm. that's the, I guess the first part of it is all the, the things you just talked about, the yeah. mental side of that. But then the rehab and knowing you're signing with another team. I mean, I remember going to camp a couple times and, you know, how often do you see a fullback in a red jersey at practice, right? Like, yeah. I, I'm used to seeing the quarterback, yeah. but there's a fullback and you just looked like you were foaming at the mouth ready to put on it. You know, can, can I wear something different color here? So, like, what was that whole process like, physically oh, and man. mentally? Yeah, so, like I said, I wanted to finish off the season with my guys, so I didn't go anywhere separate. I didn't go anywhere else. I did everything at the facility there. All of a sudden, I'm not invited back anymore. Yeah. Kicked out of the building, right? And Jeez. say, okay, so we have some free agency. You have to figure it out for a week or two, whatever. And I showed up here, and our trainer, you know, I hung out with Troy, and he was like, hey, I get here at 6.30 a.m. Like, Love Troy Maurer. That's he's, my man. He's, he's, this is what he does? 6.30? Yeah, he's slacking. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He was like a 4.30 guy when yeah, we were there. Well, he might be 4.30. Yeah, I could <laughs> he's show up telling you 6. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm like, not going to say that he's Troy's He's getting slacking. his lift on. Troy's and, getting uh, his lift on. Yeah, I mean, it was that was the moment where I was like, okay, I'm going to show everybody how I work, how I do my stuff. I'm not going to be a you know, big vocal guy. Like I can't really do much on the field yet. I can't build that rapport with the guys. So I'm going to do my thing. I'm going to sh- prepare as best I possibly can. So then I was able to you know, get going as soon as training camp started. And that red jersey, it was terrible. It was, it was the worst thing. I'm, I'm like seven, eight months post-op, right? Like y- you still have some process to go through at that point. And it's, it sucked, but it was something where I wanted to show the guys first and foremost, I was here to work hard, do the right things, do it the right way. And um, 
be here for the boys and like play ball. Yeah, I think one of the things too, guys that you know are going through an injury and rehabbing it, you know, there's other guys in that in that training room that are going through it too, and seeing the hard work yeah. hopefully motivates and pushes those guys to you know to, to work because a lot of guys you know they, the, the the mental part of it it's, is the toughest part of it not the physical a lot of times but the mental part of the whole thing when you're struggling to like straighten your leg for like weeks yeah. that'll take a toll on you mm-hmm. and it's like you only get an hour to two hours a day in that rehab room so it's like if you don't show up your best like mentally yeah. and you're in a little bit of fog and you, you let one day roll into two roll into three it's like it, you can really you know put yourself behind the eight ball so it's it's tough and you got to have trainers like Troy and all the boys there just continuously pushing you for sure. Yeah, no doubt about it. Wow, man. Sorry, right, Seth, we're going to Alan, we're gonna introduce you to a, a, a segment of our show that we have, and it's going to be great because you're an offensive Should guy. Should be in his comfort zone. Right, in his comfort zone. But he's a fullback, so yeah, call it two-minute like drill. You're regular probably, fullback. You're I'm not in the two-minute <laughs> drill. But you're probably more in the four-minute drill. I am in the four-minute four minute drill. drill. Yeah. So, but we're going to give you time. a little two-minute drill accent okay. right here. <laughs> it's really a bunch of rapid-fire questions, you know. We're going to get put two minutes on the clock with DJ Priest. And uh, whatever comes off the top of your head, man, this is Beautiful. how we roll. I'm a little, I'm a little nervous. I've, no, I've yeah. Like I said, I'm not a big two-minute drill guy. Right. Four I get it. I, get it. I have Four got faith guy. in you. All if right. you got 100 <laughs> plays memorized for this week, then I've got faith in you. Okay, Preach is on the clock. Here we go. First question. You wore 22 in Optimus Ball. Is that right? Nine in high school, 45 in college and with the Raiders, and now 30 here with the Dolphins. What is your favorite number that you've ever worn? 30. Easy. This is the current one, man. Yeah. Best, Stay in the, the present, one. huh? Yeah. Be I like it. Are. I like right. it. All right. Who's your favorite fullback of all time? <sighs> I, I mean, Mike Allstott's like, he's the GOAT, man. He's big Mike. He's, he's a big time dude. Yeah. We won't tell Zonka. No. No, I mean, <laughs> hey, it's he's a halfback. Different cat. Yeah. Generations, yeah. generations. Yeah. I get it. Different cat. Okay. He wouldn't even, I mean, come on. <laughs> leave, leave, I got to shake enough. Larry Zonka's hand, and that was yeah. one of the coolest moments yeah, of my life. Okay. So I'll put that one up there. Let, let, let's he do that. still has that presence. It's unbelievable. <laughs> All right. Back in July, you held the first ever Battle for Wisconsin mm-hmm. charity softball game. Uh, it was played by a host of former Badger greats, including your current teammate, Andrew Van Ginkle. Mm-hmm. We know Gink has great hair. But can he hit a softball? He's gonna hate me for this. <laughs> not the not the pure swing in the world. Okay, but there's a lot of there's a lot of muscle behind it. No, I, I believe it that. There. I believe that. He's it Did out he cut there. the sleeves off? I feel like I he feel like be... he deserves a sleeveless jersey okay. for next year. <laughs> yeah. All right, you're a Green Bay kid, and your rookie season with the Raiders, you get to play a Lambeau Field. Mm. What was that like for you? And if you scored. Would you have done the Lambo League? Oh, 100% was going to do Lambo League. I think 80% of that stadium was from my hometown. Right, oh, right. So they, okay they would have they they pushed you out. No, they, they would have taken care of me up there, no I, doubt. I saw something with your mom. She did an interview or whatever, and she's like, I think they said he's okay. Like, mom felt it was going to be all right. So I was hoping that that had happened, but uh, I love that. I love that mom had faith in the community. She had faith in the community. And it really is. like that. I, that's the craziest thing. When we went to Lambo Field the first time, like you're driving through a regular neighborhood, and then boom, there you're driving through my neighborhood yeah. it's driving through your neighborhood 15 20, 20 unbelievable years, yeah. all right clock is running coach mcdaniel said he was proud of you after you scored your first we get a timeout you call a time calling a timeout timeout i'll trust you 
All look right, at cool. the clock. We get a timeout. Oh man, this might be the four minute drill. All right, so <laughs> you're doing great. It's on us. It's on go. us. Okay, so coach said that he was proud of you after scoring your first rushing touchdown of your career. Not necessarily because it was the first rushing touchdown of your career, but he loved the spike. Mm. He said something about the buoyancy of the ball yeah. and whatever. So what was what were you more proud of? Getting in the end zone or that coach liked the spike? Uh, definitely the spike. I think that's where there was a little whistle, there was a play, there's some distractions, there's some adversity. Coach's things, adversity is opportunity, so I just took the opportunity to spike that thing. <laughs> Fabulous. Fabulous. I think we got one more. One more, one more. Speaking of spike, if you were required to use an end zone celebration instead of spike of one of your teammates, which would it be? All right, would it be Waddle's Waddle, Tyreek's backflip, or would it be Wilkins' worm, which you may not be familiar with, or even Gasicki's gritty? <laughs> Wow. Oh, oh, wow. How you answer this one? This is a tough one. Might need another timeout. <laughs> I'm going to do a full speed, like, cartwheel backflip if I could. He, like, he didn't even talk. Like, he just laid, laid out. Didn't he? Laid out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like if I could do a backflip like that, I would take that, that one. That would be the one. That, that the one. is the two minute drill. I think he did great, man. I yeah, think we scored. Two we minute drill. Four. It was a four minute it drill. Was four minute. Wait till you see the ma magic of editing in post <laughs> It'll be two minutes on, on the dot, man. Listen, I, I think in preseason or whatever, or maybe even, I don't even know, we did a Twitter space and when you signed, I'm like, yeah. man, I love fullbacks. I love that yeah. a fullback's back in the offense. I like fullbacks that don't brush their teeth and they're this, you know, like the old school and it. And you have not been any of that, but this has been amazing. And I really have enjoyed uh, learning about your story, but even more so hearing it firsthand Absolutely. from you. And uh, stuff, I, I want to at least say with the work that you are doing in the community, and it looks like you're going to continue to do, please don't be shy in reaching out to us if our if the organization I represent or Juice's organization can help in any way. You know, don't be shy. Appreciate it. We'll make an impact together, man. That's fun. That sounds like a plan. That's what's up, Richard. Thanks for diving in, Alan. Thanks for the time. Sitting down with Seth Living, OJ, Juice, man, This is strictly for them true fans, golf fans. Number one, of course, y'all. This ain't no ordinary sports talk. Dive up in that fish tank. Go get your aqua orange gear. It's time to dive up in that fish tank. It's only legendary talking when you dive up in that fish tank. Rockin' with OJ and Seth when we dive up in that fish tank. Uh, uh, uh. Fans with attitude, okay. we got to dive up in that fish tank. Celebrate big or cry hard. Leave it all on the field, we gon' try hard. Old school, a new school, mix it in.